I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Today, I have a very calm being, a very, um, she just brings so such ease, and I speak to all of my guests on Zoom, and so when I can feel that, it just makes me calm, and everyone knows I talk very fast, I'm high energy, and uh, anxious, so it's uh, a good, calm aura that is going to be fulfilling this podcast episode, and hopefully you are here for it. I have Diana Morris as my guest today, and she's a clarity coach and speaker and a writer, and so I'm excited to dive into, you know, figuring out what we want to do in our lives and knowing when we come to a crossroads, like, how we're going to move forward and uh, pivot. So it's going to be wonderful. And uh, before I bring Ms. Morris on, uh, let me give you a little bit more information about her. Diana Morris is a clarity coach, speaker, and writer committed to helping people make the most of the life they have been gifted through her signature design, define, align, decide framework. Diana has gracefully guided countless high-performing individuals and entrepreneurs to find the clarity and certainty they need to create fulfillment in all areas of their lives. With a coaching style many describe as Oprah meets Iyanla Van Zandt. Uh, Those are two very powerful women, by the way. So what an amazing style she has. Uh, Diana believes that by providing the space to question and challenge the stories we've been told about who we are and what we're capable of, we can beat the game of denial and break through the biggest opposition we face, which are, or which is ourself. So without further ado, please welcome Diana Morris podcast. Thank you for being here. Hello there. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for that intro and that vibe check that's coming through as you're sitting here. I love it. It's like, (laughs) It's so easy. I love it when I have guests like you because you can feel it and uh, it's just going to be a great, great episode and conversation. I'm excited yes, absolutely. to, to, to um, listen in. So before we jump in, what is your favorite cookie and cookie memory? Ooh, my favorite, it's going to be two different answers. My favorite cookie yeah. is chocolate chip but it has to be soft. Like it has to be like the, like the gooey middle. I don't like hard cookies. I don't believe in them. So this would be my favorite. <laughs> I don't, believe, like in a, them. I don't I, believe in that. Exactly. Like, why are you doing that? It's a soft cookie, chocolate chip, classic, keep it simple. And my favorite cookie memory is when I was younger, I haven't thought about this in years. So thank you for prompting this. Um, My mom and I, we would make peanut butter cookies. So she would like make the dough and then I would just get the little fork and like make the design on it. And it was just a fun little thing. She would do it with myself and my siblings. Um, So yeah, that's my favorite memory of a cookie. Oh, that's nice. I know the forks, it's so easy Mm -hmm. and they make them so pretty. Exactly. And it was like, I was younger. So it was like, I couldn't do any harm. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a very incredible. easy way for me to not mess up what was going on. But I remember feeling like a big girl doing little designs. So because yeah. when they get baked, you got to see like your craft mm-hmm. after. Um, exactly. Did she ever make that dough and put the Hershey Kisses in the middle? And let you we never it? did the Hershey Kiss. It was always a straight peanut butter. And then they would also be soft. So I guess that's where my texture <laughs> desire came from. But fresh out, you could see Hard the little- peanut butter cookies never good. Again, why would you do it? So <laughs> perfectly so. We're perfectly aligned in this moment right here because mm-hmm. I'm all about soft. Peanut butter cookies are my jam and mm. soft um, chocolate chip cookies. I just went to the movies yet last night. And I get super excited when I go to this. I like the ones that serve you food. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a cookie trio. 
and nice. get everything. I'm usually full, but I'm like, I'm getting them to bring home and yeah. I'll have one and a half because I can never finish them. But they're these, they're like, what flavor? I'm like chocolate chip, all three. Yes. So warm and they're soft and they're so, oh, they're great. And they're crispy on the outside, but soft on the inside. So it's, yes. Yeah. So you get best of everything. It's so good. Now I like want a warm out of the skillet cookie. I'm oh, going to make that happen. Bazookis from BJ's restaurant. If you have one up there, um, I don't, but yeah, they make the, they put them in the skillet mm-hmm. and they come out warm. You put ice cream on top and it's just it's an experience. Oh, okay. I'm going to go heat up that cookie after we're done. <laughs> there you oh have. man. Uh, but, uh, I digress. So, uh, tell, uh, the listeners a little bit more about you mm-hmm. and uh, you're in New York mm-hmm. and how you came to this path and career. Absolutely. So the origin story of sorts. So you know, growing up, there's always that roadmap of success that my family definitely, you know, shared. And then the world, especially here in the U.S., tends to share of you go to school, you get the degree, you get the job, you find the person, you have the kids, you have the house, you eventually retire from the job. And that's when you can start living because you've served your purpose as a productive part of society. And, you know, even saying that it's exhausting, I run out of air with all those steps. So part of my journey did follow that path, right? So going to undergrad, went on to grad school um, and the majority of my career, my formal training, quote unquote, is in higher education. So I've worked in colleges and universities, um, most recently in the student conduct side of the house. So I was the most popular person on campus, as you can imagine. Students would come to me and talk about, you know, policy violations and community membership and engagement and all of that. So while I was going through that professional realm, I was also building out this business on the side, um, starting in my writing arena. So writing books and serving as an editor for folks. And I realized, you know, when I first started my first iteration of this business as an editor, it was so much more than just a red highlight of you spelled this word wrong, or how about you change the sentence? It was really helping people get to the core of why are you doing this specific thing? Why are you applying to this specific job? When you're writing this dissertation or this book or this manuscript, whatever the case is that I would help them with, what are you trying to help people understand about your story and your experience and your knowledge? And you know, working with some coaches of my own realized, oh, I'm actually coaching more than editing and then segued into that to have that conversation more fully and more holistically of of the things you're doing why are you doing them what are you hoping to achieve is this your desire and your path or are you just following again that standard roadmap that we all are and the business part of what I was doing along with the professional work was very complementary because in the college setting, I was asking students, help me understand your decisions from Friday night. Help me understand, <laughs> you know, what you were doing with this assignment. And so many times, you know, we think it ends when we graduate. Once we have our degree and we walk across the stage, we should know what we want to do for the rest of our life. And that's not true because we change, we learn more things, we change our minds, we get new understandings, we have new desires. So really diving in more now with folks after the graduation phase, you know, entry-level, mid-level professionals, whatever the case is, families, et cetera, with this one life you have, what do you want it to look like? And that's been the crux of what I do um, ever since. So that's kind of the Spark Notes version of how I got here and what it is I do. Is it not Cliff Notes anymore? (laughs) I remember Spark Notes from when I was like in middle school and high school. And I think Cliff Notes was part of it. I don't know. It's like an offshoot. I don't know what they do now. They have AIs writing their papers and they don't even read a book anymore. Oh, (laughs) I mean, um, I'm 37, almost 38. So we had Cliff Notes. It was the hard copy yellow books and you would get them or find them online. I think Spark Notes were a little... I wrote all my stuff. I didn't really use that, but a lot of my friends. It's like, I know of it, but like English class, like Shakespeare, just want to like confirm that I understood what this man was trying to say with this one part. Oh man. They start them young. Like they've got my third grade son is about to start Shakespeare. I'm like, ah. Advanced. Wowzers. 
well, I think it's, they're doing this play and I'm like Shakespeare already. And they have these lines. I'm like, I haven't seen them yet. I'm like, <laughs> okay, here we go. So it just kind of sparked that, that, um, that thing. But, um, mm-hmm. but that's so funny that you go back to, that's funny that you're having conversations with college. She's like, what was your intention behind that Friday night decision? Like some of the things you probably learned or you probably mm-hmm. already knew, but just letting mm-hmm. them come to that. Oh that yeah. Moment. Yeah. Right. Right. But I guess it's very important. And I think after pandemic, sitting and thinking, losing businesses, making pivots, um, learning to be, you know, at least for for the moms that are listening, like we had to virtually teach our children or teach them how to virtually learn, um, gained a lot of perspective and clarity of maybe not what they want, but what they don't. Yes. And having a purpose, like having more of an intention to now live life with more intention, like mm-hmm. and purpose, like when I do this, this is why, and this has to have some meaning or why should I? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's such a powerful thing to realize and acknowledge that it's, it's, as important to know what you don't want as it is to know what you do want, because both of those things feed on each other, right? The reason why I want to live, for example, in New York is because I don't want to have to fly for hours to get home to see my family when I want to see my family. That's why Mm -hmm. I moved from Tennessee back up here, right? So a lot of times we get in this pattern of doing things because we've always done them, right? We're just used to continuing to drive the same route from here to there. And we kind of move on autopilot. So when everything stopped and we had no choice, but to just sit in the, sum of our decisions that got us to that point or to sit with ourselves and our thoughts, and we couldn't be distracted, or we saw that the, the institutions or the systems that we kind of hedged our bets on of like, this will always be here. This is the way it needs to be when you're confronted with that and you start questioning, well, why is that true? Is that accurate? Does that still apply? That's when you start having those moments of, okay, well, what's next? What do I do now? Yeah. There was like, when you say that it's only like, almost like school, like Mm -hmm. we can learn at home or we can do X. Do we need to be sending our kids to school every single day or can mm-hmm. we do it more like a lot of my friends are now homeschooling because they saw the benefit of having more family time or the more flexibility they had to do the things they want to do because they could do the lessons as long as they were getting the work done mm-hmm. on their time and not the institution's timeline and so it's really evolved, like made the the schooling evolve. Um, I don't know if I have it in me to homeschool Mm -hmm. because I need a minute, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I have not not considered it because with the things that are happening and the risks that now go with sending your kids to school and some of the, you know, uh, safety, like, mm-hmm. will my kid be okay at school or because you can't control what you can't control and you can't control others. You have no idea what's happening with other people's lives and, mm-hmm. and how it could impact yours and all those different risks. And those were always around, but I guess sitting with it and knowing that there's a way around it and we've now have solutions for it. It's mm-hmm. almost, you start to think, is that something I want to now do? Because now right. the, the solution to the problem is in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and seeing what options you have, right? I, I like to talk about this idea of what's optional, required, and possible for your life and the goals that you're trying to accomplish or the way you're doing things. And again, it's all about the stories we're told. If we're told that it needs to look a certain way, that's often what we cling to. But when we realize that it could look that way, but it's actually not required, or there are other ways it can look, then again, you start getting intentional and you start being thoughtful or you just deny what you now know because it's easier to continue down whatever path you've been traveling. Isn't that interesting? When you were telling me that that's the path you were following because that's what you're, I was taught the same thing. I went and 
did the sports. I went to school. I got good grades. I went to college, got the degree, got a job that had nothing to do with my degree, (laughs) which is also typically what happens. And you meet somebody, you get married, you have kids, la la la. And life doesn't always work out the way it's supposed to. Like I am now single mom, three kids, never thought I would even have kids. Mm -hmm. I'm in an industry that I was in for a long time that I fell in. Now I've become sought out for, and now I have my own business that Mm -hmm. I never thought I would ever run. So how things move and change, it doesn't, you would never see it. Mm -hmm. And so creating those possibilities and knowing that helps me help my kids because school, I mean, look what's happening right now with all the tech and I live in Austin is a big hub. All these California people are coming with startups. Mm-hmm. There's kids making millions in high school. Cause they're just, mm-hmm. it's, or, you know, I was talking to a podcast guest earlier, his son presented his the game he made to Zuckerberg because he was at the same place and he's mm-hmm. 11. Mm-hmm. So why not? Right. Right. Exactly. And the thing with that is, you know, these things are cliches and they're the path that we follow for a reason because it does work for someone, but it's understanding and giving ourselves permission to recognize when and if it doesn't work for us and not trying to force ourselves into something just because, right? Mm-hmm. not just doing it. Oh, because X, Y, Z said, or ABC is doing again, is it required? Is it an option or is it a possibility? And how do you navigate that within yourself for yourself and what you're looking to build? Right. Because college now is so it's not required to be successful. Mm-hmm. I feel like when I was looking for a job, in 2007, when I graduated college, they look at GPA and they look at where you are and your work history as, you know, through school or whatever. And then when you would go to a job after they're looking for longevity and consistency and long years and how it's evolved now with, with, um, I've noticed that like people jump around because the benefits are better or Mm -hmm. they don't look down upon you because you move every few months. And, that's not the culture. Like my dad was at the same company for 35 mm-hmm. years. You know, it's one of those, the, the things that are shifting. And so that school, like these tech startups, these kids aren't going and learning that in a college they're mm-hmm. teaching themselves or learning it through someone at their high school or a club, or they've got different places you can go where it takes that one path, very traditional path. Mm-hmm. To well, there's other options. What's right? Just because it's right for me doesn't mean it's right for you. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Our like your. I I also talk about like systems, like creating systems and smarter, not harder in your house and business, and letting things work for you. And I always say like, if here's a system that you can implement today. And if it's not working this way, this is how I do it. But if it doesn't work the way I'm doing it, but you like some of it or some of it's working, it's okay to change it. You don't have to scrap the whole thing because my sense of way of working and perfection is not the same as yours. And that's completely okay too. And to be comfortable in the diversity of that and not comparing like, well, Susie and Judy do it this way. So I have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Well, if they are stay-at-home moms or they work full-time jobs and you're a stay-at-home mom. Eh, it's not going to look the same. Your schedules aren't going to look the same. The, mm-hmm. Your dynamic at home, you might have eight kids and you might have one, you might not have any, but you still, you know, the sense of doing what's right for you is a very hard concept when there's so much information and yes. comparison and, mm-hmm. um, instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think with that, it's really coming down to discernment, right? Knowing within yourself, using the evidence of your life so far, tapping into your intuition, your wisdom, whatever you want to call it, to be able to look critically at the things, right? Like, 
do you want the same outcome that a Susie or whoever might be having? If you're really striving for the outcome, then allow yourself to find different pathways to get there. Or if you're just looking to be able to say that you, you know, have dinner every night at six o'clock and everyone's in bed by eight, if that's what you're striving for, then adjust your approach accordingly. But you need to be honest with yourself about like, why are you doing this? Are you doing it for the story? Or are you doing it for the outcome? Are you doing it so you can be able to say that you're doing X, Y, Z? Are you doing it because you actually want what's on the other side of it? And there is a difference between the two. And that difference is how you feel as you're going through it. That difference is how you feel once you get whatever it is you're chasing. Yes, 100%. And you have to make the changes because it's you won't make a change or you won't make the right decision if you're not doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. It'll always come out later, whether that be hit you in the face realization Mm -hmm. or you're like, how did I get here? Yes. Why does it look like this? Mm -hmm. Oh, OMG, what do I do? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, this goes back to part of the origin story that I kind of breezed over because it's a longer one. But my first job, my first real world job out of graduate school was something that I was pursuing because at one point in my life, I had it in my mind that I was going to be uh, president of a university. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to be like the head honcho. I really love this thing. going to make great space for students, faculty, and staff. So when I was looking at job descriptions, it was a similar path that you mainly start at one of the entry-level positions, typically in housing, and then you work yourself up through the ranks and then eventually you hit that you know high echelon that first job out of graduate school was the perfect pipeline on paper but then when I got there and I actually experienced it I realized I don't like this thing like it doesn't align with me it's not what I thought it would be it wasn't a matter of right and wrong of like you know they did anything wrong or I did anything just was a misalignment but I I I said right I I said I was going to do this thing path and flash forward a few months later I ended up being laid off with the rest of my team because they reorganized and in the moment it sucked like I wouldn't like wish that on anyone and in hindsight I can realize that it was necessary because I wasn't going to make the decisions that I knew I needed to make because of what I kept telling myself about what was required what was possible Mm. and what was optional. So bringing it back full circle to what we're talking about here in terms of just knowing why are you doing the things that you're doing and who are you doing it for? Is it for other people to be able to see you doing the thing or is it because you actually want to create a life that you're living in that specific way? And that can be a scary thing for you is forced upon like it was the universe doing its work for you where you were shoved into the, oh, got to make a pivot change because I don't have a job mm-hmm. and forcing you to look and be like, okay, let's get like, this is your opportunity and mm-hmm. either seize it or not. And um, it's, it's one of those things where you have to be ready to, because you can't like dip your toe in because it just won't stick. Mm-hmm. And if you know where you're going to go, like for me, I've been doing a lot of for the past few years, just trying to navigate what I want, not really knowing exactly how I was going to get there, but I knew my, like what outcome I, it looked like ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then creating space. And not making excuses, but being strategic and just being honest. Like, is this something I can do right now? This is what I, like, I'm not happy. I'm, this isn't working, Mm -hmm. but is it the best time for me to make a change Mm -hmm. or do I need to look at it and be patient and just do it in the right way? Because in the time does come putting in the work. Mm-hmm. And being ready and you'll know when you're ready will be easier. It doesn't mean like what's going to happen is going to be easier, but at least for you and your internal space, it's easier. Mm-hmm. You're not feeling regret. You're not, or as much or feeling, mm-hmm. um, 
maybe some different emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's such a good point and a good thing to keep in mind is a lot of times, you know, we hear about these gigantic leaps, right? Where people like wake up one day and quit or they, you know, rearrange their families or whatever these things may be. And that's not always possible, nor is that always realistic, nor is that always necessary, right? Sometimes the most, you know, strategic and methodical thing you can do is to take your time. And instead of trying to go from point A to Z immediately, realize that there are 24 other letters in the alphabet that you can move through. And that, again, ties back into what do you specifically need and what are you actually capable of handling um, as you're making changes, as you're navigating things, as you're trying to figure it out. What are the small steps that you can be taking? Because not everything needs to be, you know, I'm going to burn this bridge and roast marshmallows over the flame. Like, you can take some time. So for example, if you're in a job right now that you're not happy with, maybe the answer isn't to quit tomorrow, right? Because you might not be able to. Maybe the answer is to start having conversations with coworkers or your supervisor or whoever about what you can be doing in the meantime. Maybe it's looking outside of work to find things to give you that joy and that burst of creativity or whatever you feel is missing until the next position presents itself and you're able to take that next step. So I think it's, you know, giving ourselves that permission to, to be thoughtful and patient. And that doesn't mean you don't do anything. It just means you do the right thing for you in the right moment when it presents itself. And it's okay to think about those things. It's not like a dirty little secret. Like I'm not happy in my job. I want to leave. Like mm-hmm. if you're not feeling fulfilled, it might not be the job too, right? It could yeah. be something else. And so when you make those knee jerk decisions and it's just like, yep, I'm quitting tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's, you don't have a, uh, an opportunity to learn mm-hmm. from it because that could have been a really like, the worst decision. And then you, you get there and you're like, I should not have done that because that's not what it was. Yes. And you taking your time, there's reasons why there's a three-year plan, five-year plan. It sounds silly. Like, do you have a five-year plan? Does it mean like, yes, wife, kids, you know, picket house, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it just means, do you have an idea and a vision of what you want to feel and be and aspire to um, in five years? And, and then you look to see, like you said, those stages in between, because when you are working towards what you think your vision is mm-hmm. or what your idea at the time is in a couple more steps, you could see that, okay, that's looking a little more like differently now because mm-hmm. this changed or mm-hmm. this happened. Um, this opportunity came. And so doing these decisions, I think, um, rob us of an opportunity to learn the proper way Mm-hmm. And to make the decision for the right, like then really like hunkering down, like, am I making this decision because this is like, what's holding me back? Well, let's eliminate this first. Mm-hmm. And now that that's gone and I've solved this problem, now can I still make that same decision? Am I still going right? Or that solved it? I'm good. Mm-hmm. Or not like, got to keep going. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's funny when you break it down like that and map it out, because that just sings to like my Enneagram five, INFJ, like all the strategy. If you look at any personality test, I fall very much in the strategy, analytic, the logic side of it. And it's so easy when we're in spaces or moments where it just is hard or it's painful or it's frustrating to want the quick solution, the quick fix. And there of course is a benefit to that. There's also a benefit to taking a step back and looking at it from a higher level of, but what is actually happening here? When I'm having these same arguments over and over and over again with my partner, is it the fact that they're not closing the cabinets or is there something else at play here, right? If I'm having frustrations with friends or colleagues, Is it in that moment or is there something outside of this relationship or this connection that's actually leaking its way in? And it's hard to have that objectivity when you're constantly in reaction mode, right? When you're constantly having to respond, respond, you can't take a moment to just pause, breathe, and just look and observe. That's where, you know, things start getting more clear. You get a 
better picture of what's at play. And it's, it's great to get a third party because you can't see the picture if you're in the front, you can't see in the frame within your picture, you can't see the trees in the forest, that type of scenario. Mm -hmm. And it really does open your eyes when you get someone's unbiased perspective mm -hmm. and really dig in deep because we know what we know and we're pretty like, nope, this is what I want. But if you don't have the, if we don't open ourselves to possibilities, um, my biggest thing is I, the way, like for my, for my children, for instance, like I want them to understand that there's different, uh, versions of normal, mm -hmm. like there's our normal mm -hmm. and then there's this normal, or this isn't reality. This is our reality. Mm -hmm. It's really another, this is reality. And so really making sure that we're open to other ideas and other options, because what we know is what we know, and that's it. But that doesn't mean that there's not a better way to do it, mm -hmm. easier way to do it. Um, then we're just sitting and getting in our own way. Mm -hmm. um, and for instance, like for me leaving um, my marriage, it was a very difficult, you get all the oh, you don't want to, you know, for the, you stay for the kids or you don't want to leave because it's familiar or um, there's got to be a way to, you know, change something because it can't be that bad, right? Mm -hmm. Or fear of different change, fear of change. I mean, that is hard. Change is really, really, really hard. Uncomfortability. Um, not that you're comfortable, but at least it's just, that's your reality. That's your normal. That's your habits. And that's, what you're comfortable in. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like your dance and then having to go and learn a new one. Mm -hmm. You're waltzing over here. And now I got to go learn how to salsa the ooh, fast steps. Ah, mm -hmm. ooh, that's fiery and different type of outfits. And I don't know about all that, but mm -hmm. is it bad? No, it looks fun. So how to be comfortable with that and empowering yourself and setting yourself up. So I had a lot of fear of the unknown. We all do. And so, and I was making excuse after excuse. So I, it takes a lot to and you go to therapy or you do the things and you do your internal work. And so I collected the information, like mm -hmm. all of my quick, quick questions that come off right off the top of your head. Those are easy to solve, right? Okay. So what about, da, 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 da. well, that's stuff that he does. So if I know what he does and I know the things he handles, if I have all that information, information is power, knowledge is power. That's an excuse. Now I've eliminated that excuse. That can't be a reason now. So close that. So now I can take that fear and take that out of it. And now I can say, okay, now do I still want to make this decision? Because that's not an option. Like that's not an excuse anymore. And mm -hmm. then you make these clear paths and these clear decisions. They might not, they're not still easier to make, but it, it empowers you more. Absolutely. You know? And you know, what you're speaking about is something that I often help folks realize is there's a difference between inaction due to circumstance and inaction due to a conscious decision, right? Mm -hmm. When you're inactive, when you're not doing a thing, when you're not making movements, whatever the case may be, due to circumstance, that's usually because there's an information gap, right? You're not quite sure what the next step is. You're not quite sure what to do. You're not sure, you know, that there is even some type of movement or change needed. That is circumstantial. On the other side of that is the inaction due to a conscious decision of, you know what it is you need to do. You have the information. You're just choosing not to move. You're just choosing not to pivot or change or grow or whatever. And there's a different type of pain and frustration and disappointment that comes with each because when you're the when you are the person sitting there, staying there, continuing the thing that you know is no longer working, in the most still of moments, you have to hold you have to have that conversation with yourself of, oh, I don't like this but I'm still here. I'm still choosing to participate in, you know, for whatever reason, to whatever degree. So I think that's really important to keep in mind of get the information, right? If you know that you, if you know, there's a gap, if you know, circumstances or certain thing, what can you do within that? What can you do around that? 
And then again, take that accountability to move forward in the best way possible in the ways possible. Right. And so it's one of those things too, if you are just going to sit in it and either A, feel sorry for yourself or B, just, you're just not there. You also have to be okay. Then you have to find a way to be like, well, can I be okay with Mm -hmm. like, am I, am I willing to just accept it and move forward and stop sitting in it and feeling sorry and being negative and say, all right, well, this is, it is. And then you move on and then you, maybe that's a whole mindset change. Mm -hmm. Or if it's like, if you can never be okay with it, then, then you still need to continue to search on how you can be. And that might just be, you know, a therapist or an activity or Mm -hmm. um, yoga. I mean, Mm -hmm. whatever the thing is that will fill that or move you forward because uh, they always say like, if you're comfortable, then you're dead. <laughs> like it's always, you always want to be uncomfortable because if you're not uncomfortable, then you're not growing. Or if you're comfortable, you're not growing. I probably come, I probably meshed a bunch of different quotes in there. The sentiment is the same. It is because that is, you know, one of the things I lean on is we're all doing this for the first time. We've never been here before, right? At the time of this recording, what's today, the 28th? Like this is the first October 28th, 2022 I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. So how do you give yourself the grace to realize that while also holding yourself accountable to realizing that? Because there is an empowering way to look at it. The fact that all of this is made up, the fact that we're on a rock that's hurling through the universe that can either be very much like, oh, well, then nothing matters, or it can be everything is possible because mm-hmm. if we can make it up, I can make it up. So let me make it up in a way that actually fits. Right, write your own book, write your own story. No, it's not written for you. Um, it's not, you know, you can choose your own path. We have free will and, mm-hmm. you know, we are able to make decisions, um, but also being smart about them and, and not being frivolous with them because Mm -hmm. there's, you know, with action comes reactions and consequences and other things. And, Mm -hmm. um, you want to make sure and and mitigate all those if you can, now you can't, um, predict it, but -hmm. you can prepare as much as you can and know, like, like when I was going through my divorce, I asked my attorney, I said, I know you can't tell me Mm -hmm. what's going to happen. Right. Because there's lots of different scenarios. There's lots of different options. I want a roadmap though. Like I want you to give me a roadmap, not a timeline, so to speak, because everybody moves at different paces and information. And, but I want a roadmap to understand the process and what kind of things can happen at every stage. And I want the tree, mm-hmm. which was a, you when I asked them this, by the way, it's like, you have six heads. Like, what do you want us to do? I'm like, I need to know what things could happen. Like if I give you this scenario, what are the three things that could happen? And if you make this choice or this choice or this choice, and I know it's vague and I know it's like, you know, it's going to probably cost me a million dollars if you like have to sit there and do because they're charged by the hour. But I was wanting a roadmap because I wanted to prepare myself and understand that this is decisions I'm making, but mm-hmm. I want to know what effects are going to my pros and cons. Cause it's always, it's all con, right. It's never fun. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to decision-making, it's like, what's the, what's the least amount of resistance or the, the, the better road, or maybe it's the harder road, but if I go to this harder road, like what will, what could happen? And do I just choose this harder road? It might take me longer, but what's the result? So I work, I like to strategically, know, and be prepared for everything and anything. And I know you can't guarantee it, but if it comes up and it's like, well, you told me it could happen. It covers you too. Like, (laughs) and you know, part of it is also, there's this idea of wanting to make the right decision, right? Because we just don't want to have to deal with the negative consequences and negative repercussions. And the reality is we will never know until we actually do the thing and see what happens. And there are ways to make decisions that are right for now based on what information you have at the time, what you're looking for at the time and what you're capable of at the time. Because I firmly believe that we all do the best we can with what we have. 
And that's not necessarily an excuse, but it is an explanation of when I was in this moment, this is what I was able to do. This is what I understood. And, you know, Lord willing, I'll have another opportunity to make a different decision if it turns out I don't like what happened on the other side of it. And so often the fear of getting it wrong is why people out, opt out of the decision-making. They allow others to choose for them or they just keep doing with what they know, right? Even yeah. if you don't like the thing, at least you've adjusted to the dislike and you know what that discomfort feels like. And in those moments, that is you sitting on the sidelines and letting other people decide for you. Like indecision is still a decision. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, to not play an active role and to get what you get and hope you don't get upset. And <laughs> it's like- Get what you get, don't throw a bet. Exactly. And it's like, well, but you chose that, right? Mm-hmm. And of course there's always circumstances and nuances and et cetera. And globally, at what point can you allow yourself to take back control where possible and allow yourself to be okay with the outcome, even if it's not what you like, can you still hold fast to this is what I needed to do at that time because that was the best I was able to. Right. It's almost so a lot of times I'll get the question of like, well, how did you not know? Or didn't you see that coming? And my, my answer is always, Knowing what I know now, mm-hmm. yeah, duh. <laughs> but I mean, like, uh, hello, right? But when you're in it and you're going through the motions, and that's it's it's just that's that's you don't know any better, mm-hmm. um, or you know better, but there's things that are happening where it's it's making it okay, mm-hmm. and you then just become accustomed to it, and it becomes second like niche, and it's called conditioning. Like it just becomes. And when you get to the point where you can step out and be like, something doesn't feel right or something's wrong. Or like I wasn't healthy. And I was like, this can't be because I'm a healthy person. Uh, Or you find a different why, like I've got kids and I need to be like, I need to be a better parent. I need to be, um, I need to be able to like get up in the morning and like show up. So what do I need to change? And then when you start gathering information and learning things about your situation or yourself, then it opens your eyes and it gives you tools and it gives you um, just another another picture. It opens your brain and then you're like, oh, or okay. And you understand why you were doing them or you understand why you would continue or why you don't like it now when you were like, why was I okay before? And it's all about where you are right now mm-hmm. and using the information that you have. And if you decide to think, so I gather all this info and I now have all these epiphanies and I have all these aha moments. It's now on me mm-hmm. to take what I know and make a change because I now know this is wrong. And I now know that I'm not happy. And I now know this is going to not serve me or my family anymore. And what are the consequences if I do continue to go on? What is the, the trickle down effect? Mm-hmm. I have to like, that's on me now because it's not like I can say, well, I didn't know because I do. Mm-hmm. And it's now making the decision of like how and not the right. And so I, when you get those questions, like, well, how did you not know? It's like, well, you, I now know. Mm-hmm. So the, the point is I did something about it now when I had the info because I couldn't, you could look at me a different way if it's like, you do know. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, then it's like, well, then that it's a whole different, you know, different pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important for the way we look at our past decisions and we look at the circumstances we're navigating. Can we be kind to ourselves in that mm-hmm. process, right? There you know, and kindness is not the same as enabling. There is a way to be kind and hold yourself accountable and say, you know what, again, I did the best I could. And now I'm giving myself permission to do something different, or I'm giving myself permission to acknowledge this thing, which is very different than the last piece you said there of like, oh, I know, but I'm just going to let it be because whatever the case is. And, you know, you can't really bully yourself into any type of sustainable change or anything meaningful. Sure, you might get results, but like you, 
are not being kind to yourself. So is it actually worth it? And there's enough naysayers and critiques and doubters out in the world where you don't need to be doing that to yourself as well. Um, so I think that that piece of, again, looking back and saying, okay, now knowing what I know, how do I want to move forward? Because I can't go back and adjust or change or do anything different, but I can do something different moving forward. So will I allow myself to do that? So what do you say to people though that have the situation where, for instance, for me, I knew what I was doing and had an idea and I knew where I need to be and no one knows because I, it's one of those things where it's just a safety thing. And it's just making sure that everything is in its place. And also like when I do get there, I don't want to have any unbiased. I, I want to be unbiased. I, I don't want to have any other, I don't want to ask for anyone else's opinion. I want to do it. And, um, when people are like, well, why don't you do something about it? You are, and they're not privy to the steps and things that you're doing mm-hmm. by saying, just wait, or I am, or cause they'll still sit there like, well, why are you so now that you know what you know, why are you? Mm-hmm. And so how do you navigate that where you're trying to not please them by saying mm-hmm. something, um, and protection, but at the same time, you're just like, I understand, you know, I'm working on it or, you know, it's a process, Mm -hmm. you know, those are the answers that I would think, but that's a very hard thing to do when you feel pressure, when Mm -hmm. you get that external, like, I know I get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a very common thing. And, and that can apply to any area of life, right. Where, you know, you're privy to all the information you understand, you have a full grasp on the context, your understandings, your next steps, and other people may not be privy to that. So it's a matter of one, do you want to tell them and loop them in so that they're also aware and have as more of the information that you do so they can get a clearer picture of what's going on. And if you do, then let them know. And if you don't, for whatever reason, again, you don't have to tell anyone anything, it's being okay with being misunderstood, mm-hmm. right? If you realize that they are not seeing an important detail that you know, again, either give them that detail or be okay with them not having it and allowing them to sit in their thoughts of, well, I would do X, Y, Z, or why aren't you doing X, Y, thank you for your you know feedback and your opinions. I'm managing this the best way I know how, and I'll keep you posted if I need any assistance and just keep it moving. But, you know, it's eliminating that desire to prove and explain and justify and just letting people be wrong about you. Because if you already know what you know and you're already doing what you feel is right, it's you, it's yours. They don't have any impact or they don't need to have an impact because you've already decided you're not gonna tell them the full story. So- Thank you for your feedback or I would, I just need your support. Your, mm-hmm. your support's needed for now. Thank you. I'll ask you for your opinion if I need it. <laughs> exactly. Like I, I can tell you care. Yeah, like I can tell you care and I really appreciate that. This is something that I need to do in the best way I know how. And if I need additional assistance, I'll absolutely reach out to you. Yeah, because that's hard to, to save space and create boundaries, which is a whole nother conversation, but creating mm-hmm. boundaries with others while also minding your own. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something I work on is holding boundaries. Mm-hmm. My children, you want to make things better. Just give them everything. Mm-hmm. Or my five-year-old look at me and I'm like, you can have whatever you want. But <laughs> that doesn't help, but you're right. so stinking cute. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's holding that space in those boundaries because no one will ever respect you. And when the time comes, whether they see it or not, they'll be able to respect decisions or your process more so if you're confident in them too, like you can't waver, you have to be super, like you have to be able to work on that space. Like, yo, I'm pretty confident and hold it and not feel bad because other people are questioning it. Mm-hmm. It's not the way that they would do it again. Not your, my way doesn't look like your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also thinking through like the why of it all, right? Why are you keeping information close to your chest or why are you doing things the way you're doing? And then why are you 
considering letting folks in on that or asking for their opinion or taking their opinion? Is it because you think it would actually be valuable and helpful to what you're trying to achieve? Or is it to like smooth over that initial discomfort of like the awkward conversation and the awkward, you know, firmly distancing um, that why it helps you know what the next step is to get what, whatever it is you're looking to get out of it. And that comes with age. And I think that comes with life mm-hmm. experience too. You know, what I knew at 18, what we, there's a reason why he was like, what would you tell if you could go back and tell yourself mm-hmm. one thing? It's like, do you tell them or do you, <laughs> because if you were to tell them, then you wouldn't be where you are. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a very, like, it's one of those like Pandora's box questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you work with people? How can we have more of you? And um, tell us a little bit more about how, like, what, because I love this conversation and it's just so, like I said, it's very easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You know, the soft voice here. Um, So you can work with uh, me in a couple of different ways. So I work with folks one-on-one. If you're at a point where you're like, all right, I know I need to make a decision or I'm trying to achieve this thing, but I need a roadmap of help me understand if I take this option, what are the potential next steps or consequences or what should I be accounting for and planning out? So I help folks with that in any area of their life, whether it be professionally, personally, whatever the case may be. And I also help folks with that, you know, getting out of the woods and seeing the the forest from the trees type moment of, now that you know what you know, now that you're at this point in your life, is this the direction you want to keep moving in? Or do we want to, you know, revamp and renovate what it is you've got going on again in any area? Because I believe that wherever you are is where you are. So there is no such thing as like work-life balance because- that presumes your work is one thing and your life is another when we're one person, right? So I carry every responsibility and obligation and connection with me. So how do you integrate all of that so you're in alignment in all areas of your life? So that's another area that I help folks with. And then more immediately, I know sometimes there's the moment of just needing to define what it is you're looking for, either because you've checked all the you know, goalposts and you think that you've accomplished every goal you set out for yourself and you're wondering what's next or you're pursuing things and you're realizing it just doesn't fit and doesn't feel the way you thought it would. So what can you do instead? And there's an online masterclass I created for folks to help them with that defining portion of what do you want different areas of your life to look like? What are the things that you're trying to imagine for yourself? What do you see for yourself, you know, as your perfect day or your perfect year or your perfect life? How can you visualize that and start making moves towards it using what you have right now and where you are? So those are the main things, the decision-making part, the defining part, and then of course, getting in alignment with your next steps, your daily habits, et cetera, et cetera. It's basically taking someone that's in the, well, that last one, it sounds like it's like someone just is one of those label people. Like I just need a label. I need to call it something because it just makes me feel better than having this unknown swirly thing. So mm-hmm. it's the people that live in black and white. What you do is you bring them into the gray yes. and show them the different shades. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're pulling them out of the black and white. Yes. Like the binary of either I'm successful or I'm not, I'm happy or I'm not, I'm fulfilled or I'm not. Well, what do these words mean for you specifically? And how are you currently living them? And what can you start adding into your day-to-day experience, habits, and behaviors to move you closer to the definition that you have for yourself? Because it's not either or, it can be both and. Sure. And there's some people that just are very this or that. And some Mm -hmm. that are like more free-spirited or like, oh no, it's this and this. Well, I have this. And I mean, but that's a very different, if you can do both, Mm-hmm. it's hard though. It's hard. Cause you use what you, the toolbox, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've talked to people that are like, what's in your backpack, what's in your toolbox, you know, mm-hmm. all those different scenarios and what you can use with your past, your present, your future possibilities. And then you bring something else like you mm-hmm. in it because a third party feels there's always a reason why you should always be learning from someone. Mm-hmm counselor, business coach, 
mentor, whatever it is, if you're not learning from someone, then you're not growing because you don't, you're not the end all be all. There's always someone in front of you, just a little few more steps ahead. And so we're always learning. And those people are always hopefully be learning from other people steps ahead. So bringing in a third party is, could feel very um, intrusive Mm -hmm. and scary because then you got to get vulnerable and you got to like talk about things and, and organize your thoughts and, and telling a stranger or someone and it, but it's so much better because there's no bias and they can pull things out that they're seeing than just mm-hmm. what we see. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I always say that with folks I work with, like, I'm just some random lady you found on the internet or you heard me on a podcast or you did something, you found me some way and I am simply here for you. There is no right answer when we're talking together. I truly do not care. And I mean that like in the nicest way, like you don't yeah. need to impress me. You don't need to make me happy. And you know what folks find when they speak with me specifically, and of course with the third party, whatever it is, sometimes it's easier to talk to a rando because you don't owe, you don't feel like you owe them anything, right? With your friends, with your family, they know you. And they have a certain perception of, you know, who you are, what you're about. So even if they have the best of intentions, they can only come to you based on the history that you have with them versus Mm -hmm. with me, you don't know me from Eve. Like we're just meeting. So I am allowing you to be who you are in that moment, right? You get to show up however you need to. And then I reflect back to you. Here's what I'm hearing you say. Is that what you mean? Here's what I'm observing from what you, you're doing now. Is that what you intend? And how can you, again, get in alignment with this version of you versus the version that others may be used to or the version that you may be used to? Um, and you know, you've limited what else is possible. Or a version of what you think you're portraying and what others are actually receiving. Mm-hmm. Good mirror, like looking in a different lens. So um, they're so wonderful. Thank you for being here and talking. Thank and you um, it's you know, very just ease. So call Diana, guys. <laughs> Great. There's just so much just um, input, and there's just so much. Um, it's just it's nice to be able to have such a calming aura and just feeling in a very peaceful place because making decisions and stressful, um, it is stressful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So as much, you know, as you can give yourself space to, to figure it out is the best kindest thing you can do for yourself and then just adjust as needed. So it's not always going to be easy, but it is that simple. Just do something. So I'm glad that you were able to have this conversation and dive into all the, the different ways that this can come up and what it can look like. So thank you so much for having me and sharing your day with me. Yes, absolutely. And um, please share uh, where we can find you. Your um, Everything will be in the, sh- in the show notes and links um, that, that Diana shares. Um, where can we find you, follow you? All the things. Yes, I am on the World Wide Web at dianaramorris.com is my main website. You can learn more about the programs that I spoke about, whether it be one-on-one or online uh, masterclasses. And then my social media handles for the little Tiki Talk and Instagram are Diana R.A. Morris as well. The Tickety Talk, guys. Go, go. Tickety Talk, yes. <laughs> I do not dance. You will not see any dancing and pointing there. I just talk at the camera. So <laughs> there you hey, go. Hey, it works. You know what though? It's funny. Um, I work when I pivoted in the, in the, uh, in the pandemic, I taught, I still do. I still teach Instagram to newer business owners and just like the how to's. And I would teach them how to do a real, this is right when it was new. And mm-hmm. I would have people that are like, I will not do that. I will never <laughs> ever probably do a real because it's just not something I mm-hmm. see myself doing. Let me tell you, Mm -hmm. I now get on there. They tag me all the time (laughs) doing the most bizarre things and it's fantastic. And it's like, do you remember when you told me you would never ever look at you now, look at you now. (laughs) I would never dance in front of like, never. You just don't know. Cause the one song or that one dance, Diana, that's going to come across your TikTok. You're like, yep, that's it. That's the one. Hit record. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much uh, for being here and sharing your your day with me and all of your knowledge. And um, I encourage listeners to go and check Diana out and um, look at her masterclass. And if you need some clarity and you need some, just to open up that space, I highly recommend Diana. Thank you so very much. And I look forward to continuing the conversations, y'all. All right. Thank you guys. And thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. Please check out the show notes and rate and review the podcast. If you love this conversation, let me know and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.